Welcome to Think Again with L. Nathan Hare, sponsored by the Community Action Organization of Erie County. If you would like to participate on today's program, call now, 803-1520. That's 803-1520. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to Think Again, everybody. This is now this is a new uh, topical discussion program sponsored by the Community Action Organization of Western New York. Each week we will talk to you about issues, events, and trends affecting you right here and right now in Buffalo and Western New York and connecting you to communities all across the country. I am not L. Nathan Hare. I know that's the voice you're used to hearing. I am not in L. Nathan Hare, but this is Brother Sam Rafford. I am the director of the CAO uh, Master Resource Center, and um, I am excited to be able to sit in for Mr. Hare this morning. He have, you know, a, another uh, issue going on this morning, so I am happy to see him for him. I also got my uh, co-host here with me. How you going this morning, Emmanuel? I'm good. Good morning, everybody. Emmanuel's going to give us a millennial perspective on some of this stuff that we talk about today. Um, so we want you to make us a part of your Saturday, um, every every Saturday uh, here at 1520 a.m. on your dial from 11 a.m. to noon. Today's program is live. So with that, you know what that means. You can join us. You can call in to join this discussion. Uh, 803-1520. 803-1520 is the number you can call us in at. And we are excited about the topic today. Um, because, we, you know, we, we, you know, there's nothing else to talk about right now but whether or not we are going to, <laughs> the, president, uh, the president of the United States is going to concede that he actually lost. Uh, all, all the vote count is in now. Um, and, and it's really interesting, you know, Ibeo, what you think is he has actually lost by the same amount he won by. So now that Georgia has gone for him, Nevada, you know, uh, uh, Arizona, now it's 306 to, what, 232. You know what I'm saying? So do you think it's a – first of all, he is contesting. Let's let, and this is what I found interesting, everybody. What he's contesting is he's contesting that he won Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. He has to contest those because it don't matter if he win Georgia or Nevada. <laughs> if he still won't win the election. Losing Pennsylvania was losing the race. You know what I'm saying? So at this point, he's continuing to say he's going to um, – he hasn't lost. So do you perceive a concession in his any near future? No, nah, I don't perceive the concession. But, I mean, we shouldn't be surprised because he said he was going to do this. I mean, he, 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 he was talking about it leading up to the election about, you know, if he lost or when he when it was going to happen, he was going to contest. Um, because when it came out that there were going to be mail-in ballots, he immediately was like, this is going to be a rigged election and we're going to fight this thing every step of the way. So it's, it shouldn't be shocking. He, he talked about it already. And you know what I find about this interesting? I, they, they've been showing a lot of um, they've been showing a lot of historical video like when, when he first lost in Iowa, you know, in 2016. Every election he lose, he say it's rigged. Mm -hmm. he, he he lost an election. He lost the. Uh, they were voting for an Emmy award, and he won it two years in a row. And when he didn't win it the third year, he said the thing was rigged. So anything this guy don't win, he says it's rigged. It's almost like a pathology or something. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, that's where we at today. We 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 at a, at least right now. There's a recount obviously going on in Georgia, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, you know all these recounts. And these recounts are really too far along in the process. Uh, he, there's too much distance between him and the uh, other voter for him to catch up in a recount uh, between him and Biden. So at this point, you know, I, I think we can call it an election. Maybe some people are still in denial and don't want to call it an election. Clearly, the Republican leadership is starting to come around, but they have not. Uh, they're afraid of Trump. Do you think Do you think they are well, that, that My question was always going to be, at what point does the Republican Party stand up and just say, okay, listen, it's time to just move on from this? 
um, because at a certain point, although Trump is your is your candidate, you can't sacrifice democracy for one candidate. So as a party, they got to come together and say, okay, that it's cool that you know that you feel that way, but we got to move on. I don't know. I, 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 my feeling is that McConnell has been sacrificing democracy since since election of um, Obama. You know what I'm saying McConnell has been made it basically clear that since Obama got in, Obama was going to be a one term president, and he has. You know, I, I was listening to Harry Reid talk about this. He was talking about how thoroughly they had blocked. All the judgeships, you know what I'm saying? And they had to do something to overcome that. So I don't know. I, democracy has been shaky, you know, since Obama's election. But, you know, we'll see. Here we are. This is where we at right now. So there are a couple things that we want to talk about today. Um, one of them that we want to get in a conversation about, well, I want to talk a little bit about um, the fact that, you know, Trump literally is still out here fundraising. His campaign is in debt. And so part of the reason why he won't concede at this point is because, you know, he, he has to still fundraise. I mean, the campaign is in debt, and if he don't, you know, stop, you know, if, if, he, if he concedes the election, he can't continue to go out there and fundraise. You know what I'm saying? So we can talk a little bit about that. Um, we also want to talk about the fact that what is an ex-President uh, ex Trump, could he disclose secrets that he got while he was in office um, um, as a, re you know, I think what people are concerned about, you know what I'm saying, is that Trump has been disclosing secrets all along. I mean, everybody won't, you no know, people won't forget about, you know, what happened with the Russians um, when he was meeting with the Russian ambassador in the office. But w this guy, it, it, when you put him out there as uh, he's out of office now, what do you think is the potential impact of his recklessness? I mean, because look at you. I mean, this guy has almost a billion dollars in debt, half a billion dollars in debt. I mean, he becomes a example of, I mean, I, I was in the military. I know what counter-espionage and espionage training. This guy is a clear target for foreign governments to use, and, and they already suggested that that was going on with but Russia. But it's, it's not all, only the information he's taking with him. Um, when you become a president and you leave office, you still get briefs. You still get briefed on what's going on in the country just in case something happened or whatever. So President Obama still gets briefed. Everybody still get briefed. So not only do we have secrets, he's going to continue to have secrets. <laughs> you, what you say, what you say, Matt? <laughs> doesn't read them now. Oh, I, I can't hear you, Matt. <laughs> What'd you say? Oh, so he don't hear, so we ain't got, he don't know anything anyway. <laughs> he doesn't read the briefs now, but you know, that'd be interesting. I wonder, because right now he's not giving, um, he's not giving Biden the opportunity to get the briefs. Um, so I wonder if Biden has the power to say, because of you are a security risk, we're not going to give you the briefs. Well, it's, he technically the president could because it was it was some issues back in the day when he they thought he was going to take that from Obama. They thought President Trump would come in and say Obama can't get briefs no more, but it's never happened before. And even Trump came out and said I would never do that, but it could possibly happen. But it's never happened before where the president sitting president says the last president or the, the next president can't get the briefings that they're entitled to as the former president. Well, I mean, I think what it comes down to is they got certain kinds of information anyway. They right. know certain things um, that just makes them. I, I just think Trump is a risk that we have never seen. He's a national security risk that we have never seen before. Um, you know, and so, you know, that's something that we want to talk about. We want to get into a short conversation about, you know, do you feel like Trump is a risk? I mean, is, is there something that we should be concerned about as a country with Trump as reckless as he's been? And, and then the next part of the conversation is, you know, he, he, he's talking about setting up a Trump network. 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, the, I wonder what that does to Fox Network. You know what I'm saying? If he says something to Trump Network, he's talking about something. This is where he wants to go with the Trump Network. So these are the kinds of conversation we want to get into today. Let me start off right quick with Matt. Matt, you, you said something coming in, uh, but we want to talk about this continued fundraising. You know, so you said something a little bit about um, in order to, for the fundraising he's doing, um, what would what, you say about that? No, the first um, the first eight thousand dollars for his uh, legal defense fund for the election uh, fraud case, the first eight thousand dollars goes to a political political action committee, and to um, paying off the debts from the campaign. You have to donate at least eight thousand dollars before any of it goes to the legal defense fund. <laughs> so here you go, everybody, all of y'all who out there who's donating money so Trump can fight these cases in Georgia. He's fighting cases in Michigan. He's fighting cases in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. Nevada. All of y'all who donate money, you know what I'm saying, to his legal defense fund, know that his campaign is in debt and that the initial money that you you're paying that you're donating is going to pay off his debt, you know what I'm saying? The first $8,000 is going to pay off his debt. Then maybe something goes to the legal defense fund. And I've been hearing that these, these um, I mean, all the media is saying that the legal challenges he have to these election, there's no substance to it. I mean, matter of fact, they said his strategy is to put together big stacks of paper that have basically says nothing, you know what I'm saying? So I'm curious, is, do anybody think there's any realistic chance at this point of overturning the election? I mean, that's really what the conversation comes down. Because if you if you're donating money to the overturn the election, if you actually holding out hope that you can donate the, that you can you know that this election gonna be turned over, is that realistic at this point? I'm curious is that is that the outcome you want? Because I, I feel like the people around him should just be like that's not gonna happen. Because by if you look at the numbers and the metrics, it's not possible for him to overturn the election. So is that really the outcome, or is he just trying to drag this thing through the mud? Because that's just who he is. Do you think, Matt? You think you think they really trying to overturn the election at this point? It's all mud dragging. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to keep it going. Apparently, Jared and Ivanka have tried to tell him he needs to concede. Wow, that surprises me. You know what I'm saying maybe Ivanka, but it surprised me that Jared did. You know what I'm saying so that's where we at, everybody. I mean, this election is over. This president is trying to, you know. If, if anybody saw yesterday's press conference, I mean, yesterday is the first time I've seen Donald Trump since he started to run for president and his hair wasn't orange. If you saw yesterday's press conference, I was blown away. Did you see that, man? No. Oh, y'all got to go watch it. If y'all have not seen this press conference, his hair was gray. I mean, he, he, he didn't have his orange spray on, his bronze and the cream on. I mean, I don't know what was going on yesterday, but clearly this is the first time we saw him since you know, the night of the election, really. You know, you know we saw him lay a reef, you know what I'm saying? But this is the first time he's talked since the night of the election, and he appears different. But it's not a surprise, because even election night, um, he didn't have the same energy he usually had. When he came out that night of the election, it was like 2 in the morning. He just seemed like he was a different person. Like his, his energy wasn't where it was always at generally coming in. So I think that's just been a, a thing just tracking downhill anyway. All right, man, you're a young man, so you, you may not understand this yet, but to be 74 years old at 2 o'clock in the morning, your energy ain't in the same So why you my energy? <laughs> <laughs> <That> ain't my <laughs> I don't know, you know what I'm saying? But we got a couple callers on the line. Again, if you want to join us, you can call us at 803-1520, I see Tony from Clarence on the line. Hey, Tony, how you doing out there today? Uh, yes, last week I tell Dale Nathan, and I'll tell you, Sam, I am very fearful of this man because I think Trump will try to burn this country down. Wow. He will try anyway. There, right now, you probably don't know, there's a march in Washington with his supporters. 
that are going about where the White House is. That, and here's something you probably don't know. He, he has signed the agreement to sell jets to the United Arab Emirates on Friday. No, I didn't hear that yet. You're yeah, saying well, they did. Is he getting a lot? So let's just talk about one at a time. Is he getting a lot of supporters um, for this march? Because I remember even after he was first elected, um, a lot of Hillary supporters did that same thing. They 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 gonna. Now, I don't. I didn't watch this press conference either. But from what I heard later in the night, he did not appear well. He looked off, drawn out. And looks, what I heard. Okay, one thing that you should know, and you, uh, your your cohort there is, Pfizer was never part of Warp's. Never has been. The president of that company had the, day, the same day that they had announced a ninety percent. Uh, rate, uh, percentage that uh, for the, for the vaccine said they received zero funds and they were not part. The only thing that they agreed with the with the, with the government was on distribution. That particular vaccine needs to be cooled to minus four forty. Minus eighty four degrees. Yeah, and who's going to put up the money to build all these things? The refrigeration in every major area. That's true. Yeah, and secondly. You don't need, you wouldn't just need one shot. You have to have two. Right. And Lori, Lori Garrett is an expert in this particular field. She's on all the time on MSNBC. And what she said was that this shot is basically good for seven days. Period. That's what she said. So do you need it? Do you need it more? I mean, at least at least the initial vaccination. Do you need it to be once the antibodies are created from the vaccination? Do you need it to be more effective for more than that? I I don't know. Well, I I can't hardly hear you. But the thing is, is what good is this going to do? And by the way, over forty percent of Americans in the study said they will not take the shot. Right. Yeah, that's true. And it, but you only need 50 percent of the people to take it for it to 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 actually, you know, be effective in terms of, you know, overall. But I, I know I hear I hear exactly what you say, Tony. I think one of the uh, let's go back to Pfizer for a second. I think that's a really important point because Pfizer was very clear about the fact that it did not take the money uh, for the development of the vaccine. You know what I'm saying for the distribution, yes, but not for the development of the vaccine. And so they sound like they splitting hairs about it. But I think that's a, a big deal. But there's also Johnson Johnson's. There's also Mordana, you know, said for AstraZeneca. So there are other vaccines out there. We don't know if they're going to get 90%, but most people should know that you only need a vaccine. They only expect a vaccine to, you know, that's a flu vaccine that we take right now is only 40, 50% uh, effective. So so 90% is huge. Right. And you know, Sam, that you heard all week on all kinds of radio stations and TV that there are people complaining about a national standard for elections for the yeah. president. Yeah, yeah. But that conversation has been going on for a long time, Tony. You think we, you think we finally there now? No way. First of all, it's unconstitutional. You would have to pass a constitutional amendment to change the law because that, in the Tenth Amendment, the states have the rights to do this. You, you don't think two thirds of the states, after you know, especially with what's going on right now, I mean, you had seventy-one plus million people voted for Trump, almost seventy-five million. Um, I mean, that's a lot of people engaged in the process. You don't think the the will is out there to, to do that right now? Do what? To potentially have a more standardized election nationally. Uh, did you? Maybe I didn't say it correctly, and I apologize to you, Sam. It is a constitu. It is in the Constitution. 
that the states run the fed the election for president and their state offices. Yeah, but with two thirds of the states, you can do a constitutional amendment, right? With two, with you got to change the constitution. Yeah, you can make an amendment to the constitution with two thirds of the states agreeing. You can make an amendment to the constitution. Right. Absolutely. One last point: COVID. All I hear is that it, we're we're taking away everybody's right. Well, guess what I have? I have a right to live, and it's just a fact. And I am a constant, uh, you know, I use the services of the VA all the time. Okay, hoorah. Well, Thank you for your service. Yeah, well, all the, all, ever since the, the COVID virus came, the only clinics that we used to have that we have uh, for uh, uh, for the uh, uh, you know talk which uh, talking to the your uh, your uh, your person that's there like your you know they, these are all on the phone now or by some kind of magic they come up on the screen. The only basic clinics that are open there is for my allergies and for podiatry. Oh, you talking that's about the VA it. clinic? Yes. Yes, the VA clinics are limited because face to face is not really what you want. Right. The COVID virus, and even when I had a colonoscopy, colonoscopy a couple of weeks ago, everything was done at a distance. I had to have the COVID checked with the nose uh, plunger, <laughs> the nose uh, thing. Yeah. And then I had to have checked, and then you had to wear a mask. Everything was done. To protect the workers, you you gotta have a right to live, and that's my opinion. And Sam, I thank you for that, uh, for having this, uh, taking this show. Hey, have just one day. last point, Tony. So what? So what do you say? I get, I get. So when you say you have the right to make the list, what's the bottom line? What's the point that you're making, Tony? Well, well, well I'll tell you a story. My brother went into a store in Hamburg called Aldi's or, or Orchard Park, one of those two. I forget. A man came in and did not want to wear a mask. Right. And he got into a confrontation with a, one of the shoppers who had a mask. Right. And he, he and he told him, I don't have to wear a GADM mask because it's not a law. And he got into a fight with that person and put that person in the hospital. Wow. Yeah, because people are angry with wearing a mask. I don't understand it. I wear a mask everywhere that I participate with people. All right, so I get your point now. You People should, at this point, it ain't just about you. You may have also for your neighbor. It's, it's also about the safety of oh, other people. Absolutely. Right. you got to protect them as well as yourself, and that's what a mask does for you. Or theoretically, that's what it does. Also, you have to have distancing. Yeah. You can't be on top of each other. That's it, why it, in the store they put those lines or those... Markers on the floor and say six feet apart. Well, Tony, you you making a great point, and I agree with you 100. percent And for those who think it's a joke, um, look at Chicago. I'm saying Chicago, Chicago. Literally, you heard about what's going on in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Chicago has gone on a 30 day lockdown. I mean, and but and West New York just went to yellow. You know what I'm saying? So if anybody, you know, think this thing is not real, you know what I'm saying? You know, although for those who didn't watch the president's press conference yesterday, he made it crystal clear that in his administration under no, there's no situation under which he's going to call for a national lockdown. And I find that really interesting. And I'm going to break here in one second. I find that really interesting. And we can talk about this on the other side of the break. 
because when we went on the national lockdown the first time, we was doing about 35,000 um, you know, people a day that was um, being diagnosed with COVID. Now where are we at about? No, it was about, yeah, we at. I think Mr. Harris said this morning it was 161,000. Yeah, but I think we averaged like 140,000 a day over the last yeah. three or four days. So my point is it's five times what it was when we went on national lockdown the first time. So I don't understand what, what the issue is, but, you know, clearly, you know, things we can do to prevent us from getting to a situation when we go on lockdown, we need to do that. So I see Kevin, I see you there, but I'm going to get you on the other side of the break. So thank you for being if you want to call us, you want to, you can join us at 803-1520, 803-1520, and I will see you on the other side of the break. Would you like to increase your home's value? Do you want to lower your energy bills? Are you in need of affordable financing for your next home improvement project? The CAO Home Improvement Resource Program can help. Just come to one of their monthly HIRP orientation sessions every first and third Wednesday of the month at two convenient locations. HIRP staff will help identify the resources you need to get financed, and they'll even help you with completing your application. Now, you won't know what you qualify for until you call. 332-3773. That's 332-3773. Learn about all the home improvement programs you may be eligible for and ask about the affordable financing program that can help turn your house into your dream home. Call 332-3773 for more info. It's the Home Improvement Resource Program. Restoring value to neighborhoods across Erie County, one house at a time. Brought to you by the Community Action Organization of Erie County. CBS Monday, Cedric the Entertainer and Max Greenfield star in the neighborhood. Did Malcolm say what he did to get arrested? It was being black in America. I'm filing a complaint. Where's the suggestion box? I'm gonna organize a protest. You're supposed to use your head, Malcolm. Come on, man. You gotta fight smart. I can feel the Where's Malcolm? I thought he was with you. I'm going back out there. I'm going with you. No, I don't need anybody else I love out there. Come on, Dave. The Neighborhood, season premiere, this Monday, 8, 7 central on CBS. With over one million miles raced, go, go, go. there's only one thing you can say about the amazing race. With more intense competitions, anything can happen. You can go from first to last in a heartbeat. I'm just so tired. We came here to win this competition. And more exotic locations. For the Amazon! The world awaits. Amazing! On The Amazing Race. New Wednesday at 8, 7 central on CBS. All day, every day. This is Buffalo's home for ESPN Radio. 50,000 watt ESPN 1520. Hey, hey, goodbye. All right, everybody. Welcome back to AM 1520 here. Um, we want to, if you want to join us on the call, you can call us at 803-1520, 803-1520. Um, we are, we talk about President Trump and this, and this, if he's going to concede. Um, and, and do you know what? The other thing that we got to get into a quick conversation about, um, I mean, is, is at this point, because anything that President Trump potentially can do on the, um, or anything that President Biden can do on the COVID, um, uh, the, the, the whole COVID pandemic, um, can't be done until January. January. This is November. 
you know, I mean, Matt, you just said how many hospitalizations we're talking about? I mean, we, we talk about 168,000 hospitalizations. There are parts of the country where there are no more rooms in emergency room beds. I'm saying we're talking about, you know, a real serious situation here where even here in West New York, we are getting ready. A lot of school districts that were open hybrid and now have gone fully remote. So, I mean, this situation between now, because the, the president essentially, you know, is not, you know, taking a real leadership position on it other than say we are not opening up at all. We're not going to shut down at all. You know what I'm saying? That's our position. We're going to do warp speed on the vaccine and that's it. He's not, you know, uh, you know, taking a, a real public position about what we should do, be doing to make each other safe. Um, and I don't know that President Biden's strategies that he got in mind is going to be able to be put in place before January. So do you think that we that uh, a president Trump from no from now to January first can do more damage than he can do good. Absolutely. Um, one of the first things I was talking to Mr. Hare about was um, at some point President Trump has to go from fighting this election to doing his job. Like he's still the president of the United States, and people are still dying, and that's still your responsibility. Like you have to figure that out. And it's interesting because one of Biden's aides came out and said that they want to shut down for six weeks. So you know how, pres uh, how President-elect Biden is thinking. He wants to shut it down for six weeks, get in front of it again, and then slowly reopen. But for President Trump to come out and say there's no chance of shutdown, that shows you how dire uh, uh, circumstances we're in as a country. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, I mean, I, don't, I mean, I know President, one of his aides said he wanted to shut it down for six weeks. I don't know if Biden has taken that as a final position itself, but right. he's definitely saying that we got to do everything in our power to help each other. We got to socially distance. We got to cut down on all our gatherings. We got to wear masks. Though there, there's some things that we got to do. And I know people who talk about it, there should be a national mandate that's not enforceable, but we got to be out there encouraging each other to do whatever we can do to protect each other. So there's a lot of things. Um, I'm going to take this last last comment. Then I want to jump into, um, after we take these two calls, I want to jump into a conversation about really are we at risk um, as a country because what a, what a ex-President Trump really means. I mean, because there are a number of serious situations um, that we face as a country that um, President Trump can uh, really cause a lot of problems with. So, let's, before we do that, we're going to jump on, we're going to call, we're going to talk about, we're going to uh, bring in Kevin from Pendleton. Hey, Kevin, how you doing out there today? Hey, how are you doing there, Sam, and your uh, co-host there? And if he also your co-host, I just want to thank you all for your service. Okay, Ura, thank you. Thank you very much for that. Ura, Marine, huh? Yeah, yes, yeah. sir. You you know, uh, United States Marine Corps. Yes, sir. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Um, first, we get with, um, I just want to know, because uh, I know <laughs> we have fun on, on this show here, even though we may have a difference of opinion, you know, ideologically. That's me and Mr. Nathan and, and some of the most of the callers, but fact is that I respect each person as a human being. That's right, and would never, you know, do so wish something despicable to them. You know, as I've seen our NY twenty seven kind it did as far as the Democrats are concerned, as far as the Democratic contender was concerned in NY twenty seven. But anyway, well, much um, respect to you for that. Yeah. Uh, by the way, um, yeah, I just want to just comment on the, on the, the electoral process. Uh, I just want to say also that, um, look, the fact is that I think that the saying that he who cast 
the ballot achieves nothing, but those who count it achieve everything. (laughs) In this very modern age, don't tell me we still have to rely on somebody sitting down there. And I'm not talking about the paper ballots so much, but also to electronically. Mm -hmm. The fact is that I do not think the founders of this country intended that our the management of our elect- elections should be in the hands of just uh, two, not just political parties, but two entities only. Because John F. Kennedy himself said it, that there isn't a Republican way, there isn't a re- Democratic way, but there is the American way. Mm-hmm. What about the rest of us, the minor, the independents, and so on? Right. And I think if we had the management of the electoral system in the you know being over being overseen by you know entities that represent everyone who wouldn't be in this situation right now and by the way when trump the very first day when i he opened his mouth and he said that john mccain was a loser mm-hmm. and we don't support losers i right away say oh oh yep no Yep. And from that, he has always said stuff that I think right away tells me that, you know what, you could be a problem. Mind, mind you, though, even though I may share a lot of what he thinks he wants for this country, but at the same point, that doesn't mean I have to blindly follow you. Right. I didn't vote for him the first time because I knew he would never win New York. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do it even the second time, too. So, but the fact is, is that I see whether you're a Democrat or uh, a leadership in the Democratic Party or whether you're in the leadership of the Republican Party, I am saying that as an independent thinking individual and even registered independents also thinks, and non-affiliated voters think that they are just different sides of the same coin. And I think the white elephant in this room with this situation is that the electoral process definitely needs to be overhauled. And that's my opinion about it. Well, let's, let's, talk, let's talk about that for a second, because I hear you saying two things, you know, um, because, you know, earlier when Tony called, you know, he talked about the fact that that's, you know, constitutionally, that's the right of the states um, and it would take a constitutional amendment to do that. Kind of what I hear you saying, Kevin, is that um, just where we at technologically right now, we should be able to figure out a way, you know, you know, we, we can literally do face ID on people at this point in our history. We should be able to figure out a way nationally um, for everybody to have a, a right to vote and not be protected. And there's no threat of um, the, you know, the the vote being, you know, in any kind of way uh, stolen or count, the, the count being off because of who's counting. So you 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 in support of some kind of national commission that does that? Yeah, but Sam, you kind of surprised me, brother. But you said face recognition. I mean, wouldn't that be considered racist? Like the same way in that? Uh, hey, and, I, and again, I'm not being sarcastic or anything. But you know, when it was asked that we should have some form of a voter ID, and you shouldn't have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. I, I agree, do pay for it, but some sort of ID to verify who you are. Right. Mm -hmm. And we are still we have put people on the moon. We put them in space. All these technological advances, the technology exists right now where if when you cast your ballot in real time, they can say 
hey, one for Biden, one for Trump, one for right. whomever, right? Right. No, I, no, I agree with we, you. I mean, I, and I think the point, you, the bigger point you're making is that technologically we've done way more advanced things than, than the, the, the ability to create something to count an election. Um, so I think that's an important point. I think as a conversation is that for the short term um, is not going to bring about real changes, but I think we have, as a country, have to have a vision about how we have an election that nobody questions. Because I think, you know, to go through another four years with, uh, you know, a whole, I, I mean, we cannot diminish the fact that there are 71 plus million people who voted for Donald Trump. And so those people, if they feel like this, uh, this election is illegitimate and spend the next four years, you know, you know, questioning our democracy, I don't think that's good for anybody. I think I think it was McCain. McCain was the last person um, who, um, after he lost the election, he made it real clear that we as a country, you know, got to stand behind the, you know, in that case, it was Barack Obama who won the election. Um, and, and it seemed like we had, you know, some ability to, you know, be on the same page. Now it seems like in a lot of ways, um, you know, it's like once we lose, you know, or, you know, we, it's just us against the next party for the next four years. It's hard for us to get to under, under a banner of, you know, you know, let's fight, you know, all the way up to the election. But after election is won, let's come back together and we in the same family. We all American. That seems like a much more difficult, heavy lift. And another point you made, um, uh, you know, I just want to uh, obviously comment on it because I'm a military person. Um, that you know, yeah, I think Donald Trump made a huge mistake, Kevin. Um, you know, when he came out and he called um, John McCain a loser um, because he had been captured in a battle. You could see the fact that he don't understand what it means to put your life on the line to defend this country. I mean, that the level of offense. I mean, even right now, as I'm saying it, I cannot tell you what I'm feeling in my body for somebody who has never ever you know, even had the mental the, the, the thought to be able to put his life on the line to protect this country for you to huh. He had bone spurs. Yeah, I mean, he 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 wasn't even willing to. You know what I'm saying? He, he used an he excuse of burn spurs. In, but he had bone spurs. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Then he had the audacity for somebody who fought and was captured in war and went, became a, a, a you know he was he was captured in war and he he became a prisoner of war and he survived that and you gonna disrespect that? You know, for some people there was no recovery from that and I think he lost a group of people when people came out and said he called people suckers and losers. Some people believe that whether he said it or not, they believed it because he'd done other things. And so I, I, I don't understand how you can be a commander in chief. I mean, because understand in military terms, the president is the commander in chief. You know what I'm saying? And no, no military person, they right mind in the back of their mind, trust him. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm saying that. And then it's hard to f put your life on the line for somebody you don't trust. You know what I'm saying? So I thought that was a major mistake. I agree with you. But um, we got a lot more callers on the line. So we got Ron from Cheek to Walk. Hey, Ron, how you doing out there? Oh, not too bad. Uh, what happened to Nathan? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he took a week off. He had something else to do today, but he got me pinch hitting. Okay. Anyway, yeah, you know, it, it, it brought up a good or, uh, Kevin brought up a good point there about uh, uh, the electorate. There's got to be a better way to do this. I mean, the, part of it is because the Constitution says that you say the states right. have to take control. But and it's also a, become kind of a power thing, you know. It's a constitutional amendment. The small states, the way things are now, both with the electoral college, which is so antiquated, you know, it came out of the slave, uh, the slave uh, state. Right. You know, back when we had slavery, that's really the origin of where, why the electoral college is there. That's right. Uh, because they, you know, if you had a big state like Virginia, economically powerful, they didn't want black people to vote, so they had to count them three fifths, and yep. then 
make it so that that gave them a population which they could then, uh, you know, use that uh, and assigning electors by based on the population of each state and the number of because of the number of people in the house that you had. Uh, so that gave them more power. Otherwise, you realize with the planters, if you didn't count the slaves at all, if you went by popular vote, states like Massachusetts, states like Connecticut, uh, they would have had more. Uh, That's right. More. Uh, 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 people in them because so. you didn't want to count the black people that's right so you had to play this game with the electoral count that's that's really the and even when you count the black people college. in the end when you compromise to count the black people you didn't even count them as a whole person you count them three-fifths of a person right because that was a that was the they, they wanted to do that but also that still gave you then that uh, you didn't want them to vote so if right. you're not able to vote then you know you could you your actual elect number of people electing would be a smaller so that was the whole origin of the electoral college and that's it, so antiquated but trying to get that uh, you know uh, uh, overturned you need 38 states and That's the right. small states love it i mean you know iowa who the heck i mean when you look at the numbers it's a mostly white state not representative but it it has what four electoral votes and so it wouldn't be in their self-interest to change that Wyoming, the city of Buffalo and its surrounding suburbs have more people than the whole state of Wyoming. That's right. You get three electoral. 700,000 some people in Wyoming in the whole state. Western Erie County has over 900,000. Yes. So, and the thing is that they're not going to give that up too easy. I don't know what it's going to take. No, it's not in their self-interest. It's not in their self-interest to do that, you know, when it's all said and done. And think about it when you think about how we control the state legislatures. These state legislatures now, um, especially after this election, after this election where you've seen so many state legislatures go Republican, they're getting ready to redraw these lines. And I think the House, the Democratic House, is really in trouble in 2022. Um, You know, we can't take up to make assumptions about that. That's another thing that is really outrageous. That the because the state, of course, and these they have given this. They have said this is okay now, especially with the gutting of the uh, Voting Rights Act. They say that it's basically up to the states to draw the boundaries. Now, that's the right. Problem with that, it, it it's so ironic that what it does, it gives. If you win the one election, you can cook the books for the better part of a generation. That's right. Uh, well, at least ten years. That's not, that's, that's, that's totally anti-democratic, small d. I mean, there's no developed country that claims to have a democratic republic-type system uh, that ha- that allows that. There, there's, there's no, you can check that in Europe. You can check that in Japan, which is a, a democratic republic. They, nobody allows that. And that's it's not a good practice, period. Gone. It's just not a good practice. It leads to gerrymandering. That's what we yeah. see. The, the whole well, gerrymandering comes yeah. about just because of that. Yeah, and, and that's what that that is so outrageous. When you look, you realize in the state of Texas, for the last three uh, uh, congressional elections, the Democrats have outpolled or out, you know, the Republicans by over 100,000 votes. But they only got, what, six or seven uh, House of Representative seats because they, the Republican legislature has put, like, Houston is like one district. It's got five million people. Exactly. Two million votes. I mean, exactly. Now, if what you really they could switch, do, just Houston by itself could switch the balance of power in Texas if you if you if you cut it up right. Yeah, that's that's and it's true in all states. And the real th- the the thing is, if you really wanted to make it a democratic system, you'd have to again it would be a constitutional amendment or, or some type of thing where you'd have to say that every uh, independent group should set up each of these uh, states, the districts for from the smallest you know county and local level up to the state level. Uh, they should put, uh, have them uh, as close to equal populations for each district 
and it would be like kind of a it would probably look more like instead of uh, uh, these these different blocks, and it would probably look like spirals from the central central right. city areas out. But that would that would be a much more democratic way of doing and making sure that nobody would ever be able to cook the books. And you're talking about, and I talk about numbers because obviously you know a house district is about 135,000 people. You're talking about diversity, having a diverse um, uh, body of people in every district. It would do that. Yes, it would. It would have the effect of doing that. Right. In other words, you couldn't get a uh, a district that would all black. That so so that may be almost always a democratic. But then the same thing, you couldn't get a district from outside that would right. like, like say Orchard Park or Hamburg. That probably tend to be, although I guess Hamburg is a little different. But you know, it would tend to be more all white and maybe all Republican. You would each person running would then have to appeal to a diverse group of people. Yeah, even even if you do it by social economic status, you have a, a good cross-section of everybody, which means you will have a better reflection of the country, which means yeah. you can get a more democratic uh, process. But we know the chances of that happen are low to none. I know. That's, <laughs> but it's, but, it's, but it's, it, it's kind of like that in other countries. I don't know if it's perfect, but other countries do not allow a party that wins at a local or regional level right. to to cook the books, basically say, okay, now we run the, so we're going to put all the Democrats or all the whatever party they have over there, uh, you know, the, the, the Tories are all going in one district and the, and the Labor is all going in the other <laughs> district. They're not, they're not doing that over there. Yeah, and, and, the and, 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 country that has that. Thanks a lot. I appreciate the, the call. You make a great point. Let me just say this as, as to wrap up that call, and then we got to go to a break. Um, that, you know, I think it's fair for us to have a vision about what we think would make it work best for everybody. I think it's fair for us to, you know, think about, you know, a, a country and an electoral process that, you know, is balanced and is in harmony and work for everybody. It's hard to do it, but I think it's a good starting point. Um, and, you know, actually, let me just make this the last point before the break. You know, a lot of people say that we are the most divided we have ever been as a country. And division is one way to look at that. But you can also look at that. That means we're the most balanced as we've ever been as a country, meaning that a lot of people voice are heard that have traditionally not been heard. And that's what's affecting the divisions. You know what I'm saying? So that balance means that if we have a conversation and we're listening to each other and we create we create solutions that benefit all of us. We have the possibility of making this, you know, as opposed to the division, you know, making a lead us to civil war. The fact that we all listening to listening to each other puts us in a position where we can create the country that works best for everybody. But that's just wishful thinking, hopefully, or hopeful thinking, maybe I should say that. Uh, but I'll see you on the other side of the break. You can call us at 803-1520 if you want to join us on the conversation on the other side of the break. With United Healthcare Medicare Advantage plans, there's so much to take advantage of, like $0 copays on hundreds of prescription drugs. Wow. Pick up at your local pharmacy or take advantage of free delivery. To learn more, visit AdvantageWow.com. Wow. Uh-huh. That's AdvantageWow.com. $0 copay may be restricted to particular tiers, preferred medications, or mail-order prescriptions during the initial coverage phase and may not apply during the coverage gap or catastrophic stage. Free delivery with preferred mail-order pharmacies. Wow. Would you like to increase your home's value? Do you want to lower your energy bills? Are you in need of affordable financing for your next home improvement project? The CAO Home Improvement Resource Program can help. Just come to one of their monthly HIRP orientation sessions every first and third Wednesday of the month at two convenient locations. HIRP staff will help identify the resource you need to get financed, and they'll even help you with completing your application. Now, you won't know what you qualify for until you call 332-3773. That's 332-3773. 
Learn about all the home improvement programs you may be eligible for and ask about the affordable financing program that can help turn your house into your dream home. Call 332-3773 for more info. It's the Home Improvement Resource Program, restoring value to neighborhoods across Erie County, one house at a time. Brought to you by the Community Action Organization of Erie County. Microband 24 protects against Staphylococcus aureus and Enterobacter aerogenes bacteria, but does not provide 24-hour protection against viruses. Every time you touch a surface, you leave behind bacteria. To keep surfaces sanitized all day, use Microband 24. Spray on hard surfaces to kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria initially. Once dry, Microband 24 is effective for 24 hours on bacteria when used as directed. Microband 24 Sanitizing Spray, Bathroom, and Multi-Surface Cleaner. All day, every day. This is Buffalo's home for ESPN Radio. 50,000 Watt, ESPN 1520. All right, here we are back at... Here we are back at WWKB 1520 AM. If you could call us on, you want to call us at 803-1520, We've been talking about President Trump and what's going to happen. You know, if, is he going to concede or not concede? But something that you said that we were talking about just before the break, I want to bring back up, Matt. Um, you know, we were talking about, you know, what's the realistic chance of us being able uh, to, you know, come up with a, a way to where every American is voice heard. You said... Electing an independent, electing an independent, the two-party system is it lends itself to people being on one side or another side. But if you get, a, if you elect the independent, you have a much better chance of bringing Americans together. But That's you have you to get rid of the electoral college. But you would have to get rid of the electoral college. It's just a one man, one up, one to vote down. I mean, every man, every vote, everybody votes count. And, and obviously, the the smaller states will never go for that because that means California, Texas, New York, you know, Illinois, Florida will decide the election, and people in Iowa and. Montana won't matter uh, in the larger scheme of things. So, um, but that's where we at as a country, right? Do we really need two Dakotas? (laughs) Do do we really need two Dakotas? But you know what's interesting? I mean, and and I'm going to say it this way, because um, Trump um, really is seriously talking about creating this Trump network. And I think that split with Fox, um, that Trump could really potentially become a third party candidate. I mean, if he break off on the Republican, he have enough people to where, you know, I mean, you you think so? I mean, he potentially, you know. It'd be interesting. It'll be interesting. I I I don't think he's going to go away quietly. I just don't think he's going to go away quietly. I, I think, think he's going to continue to try to say again. I say I think it's more dangerous than interesting. <laughs> so you don't think it's interesting at all? It's just dangerous. <laughs> I I think it's a real possibility though. I don't see Trump building that base of people. I think he pulls um, Rush Limbaugh. Him and Rush Limbaugh go and they start <laughs> yeah. their own. I really do. I really think but they start their people, own network. People are assuming that Trump's going to run for run for election in twenty twenty four. They saying that's that, that's what he's preparing to do, and that's the point I'm making. I'm making the point that the that the Republican Party probably can't afford for that to happen, but they also can't afford to go against him right now, and he may end up having to break away but, and do his own thing. But the question I, I always ask for, for Republicans: Who's next? Trump has been so big in his party that we have not seen the person they've been grooming. We have not seen the person they can put up next. Who's next? Like, well, well if mean, Trump leaves the, the party, who's going to step up? Is it Pence? Obviously, you got to look at Pence. I mean, because he's been there, but you also let Ruby. You know, um, you look at Cruz. Rubio and Cruz was in that conversation. Um, huh? All right. Calls. We still. Oh, shoot. We got four calls. on. I mean, listen. All right. So let's get to these calls. Mike from Buffalo. How you doing today? Uh, how are you fellas doing, man? It's a good day to be alive, Mike. I ain't got no complaints. 
Hey, first and foremost, let me say happy belated Veterans Day to you and anybody. Hoorah. Thank you. Are you, a, are you a veteran, Mike? Man, all day long. Yes, sir. Thank Navy. you for your Navy service, man. my brother. Navy man back in the 80s, baby. Hoorah, hoorah. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, here you guys talking is very good topics, man. No doubt about it. Um, as far as, you know, Trump and everything. But my biggest concern <clears throat> is that um, unlike former presidents, this dude is not going away. Wow. Whether he concedes or not, I mean, the the, the divisiveness in the, in the country, like like you spoke on earlier, um, during my lifetime, I've never seen it, but maybe it's always been there. And one thing is for sure, like rats and roaches, racism is here to stay. That's for sure. It's here. <laughs> I don't care what you do to eradicate it. I don't care what kind of spray you put on it, what kind of poison you put down. It always prevails. And what is terrifying is that he is going to take the 71 million people's mindsets with him, regardless of what he does after this. You understand? So he's not going to. He's still got that 71 million people in his pocket. You know what I mean? And, and that's a lot of people. To, yes. That's more people than voted in the, uh, for any president besides Biden. Yeah. He, and and he's, here's the thing. And I was explaining this to a, a co-worker. And, and before I get into it, the most remarkable thing to me, is that a guy who is so anti-labor, so anti-union, I'm a union member. Right. And I have a vast majority of our membership that wanted this dude to win. And how can that happen? How can you win Michigan? How can you win Pennsylvania? I mean, and seriously, and, and you and you not pro-labor. I don't even get that. Listen, Duncan, listen, this is the thing, man. And I tried to explain to him, he has somebody on the head of the National Labor Relations Board is a man named Peter Robb, mm -hmm. right? Now, if you know who Peter Robb, you know anything about history, Peter Robb was instrumental in 1980 with Ronald Reagan when he busted up the Air Traffic Controller Union. Wow, okay. So he went he went back and got this dude out of the mothballs to come and continue the union-busting practices. And these are things people do not know because he is such a master of distraction. You understand what I'm saying? He's one of the guys that'll show you something, something shiny over there and be in your pocket. Wow. You that's, that's well, he definitely been a bastard distraction for four years. <laughs> hey, Mike, I got like three other callers on the call, but thanks for calling. Listen, I hope you keep listening because it's a call. Call us again next week. All right. So next we got the other John on the phone. Hey, John, how you doing today? Pretty well. Thank you. A couple of quick points. Okay. We have we have the swindler in chief that is the world's <laughs> premier liar. He swindler in chief. He's not going to go away willingly, but the problem is he's looking at New York. New York has him civilly, and uh, Vance may have him criminally, which mm. means for him either Attica or Elmira, and Bedford <laughs> Hills for uh, poison ivy. <laughs> now, what's going to happen is that he may flee. We would be lucky if we get Air Force One back. You, you know what kind of a coup it would be if if you were to fly into Russia for uh, and uh, as an exile? Wow! Wait, wait! You say he go to Russia for uh, some kind of summit and then just don't come back? <laughs> exactly right. They leave Air Force One on the runway. And leave Air Force One. Okay, that'll be interesting to see. But I appreciate the thought, the other John. Uh, you said okay. you all right. We got two other calls, so baby, thank you for listening, and hopefully you give us a call next week. Uh, we got Donnie from Middleport. Hey, Donnie, how you doing today? Good man, good. I have a question here about this um, this democracy. This president's destroying Trump. Um, there's, there's a, yeah, this racism and this um, 
this imperialistic mindset a nightmare for human beings. Before this country been around, it's only been 244 years. No nation really did have any kind of democracy. They're still fighting in China, and China been around for 5,000 years, and they all cry about democracy, but when the British controlled it for 150 years, there was no sense of democracy and all this uh, colonialism. But, I mean, Chris, I saw... So, so Donnie, are you saying democracy is a pipe dream? This experiment, this was experiment we call the United States of America is just not realistic? It's realistic, but uh, the people been uh, uh, brainwashed and they had the mindset even before that to keep it going because I mean even on the continent of Africa they're killing each other for the vote these are the same people because you still got this king and sovereign mentality that the strong man must have everything we got this right here with Trump and nobody wants to f- the constitution even their own countries is that they turn it into a rag and they want to I mean, this man's trying to set up another civil war. He's not smart enough, but like you said, he got 70 million people behind. 70 million and anything's a lot. Yeah, but I think that's a good point because, I mean, him trying to function as a dictator uh, and him liking dictators, you know what I'm saying? You know, we just want people to do what he say. Um, I think that's a mindset, you know, and, and then the interesting part about that is it cannot be in everybody's self-interest. It's almost like what Mike just said in his call. H- how is it that it's in labor's interest to, in any kind of way, uh, support, you know, uh, Trump? I mean, I don't, I don't get it in any kind of way. And, and you take it further. How many, how many African, uh, African-American males supported Trump at what, 18%? This 18% last? was the number. 18%. How could that possibly be in, in, in their interest in real terms? For African-American women, it was like 91%, you know, that, so, that supported Biden. You know what I'm saying? So my point is that um, people follow that dictator mindset for a lot of different reasons, and I don't know if it ever gets us anywhere. No, it won't never get us anywhere at all. And, and one more thing quick, just about the military. I'm a military guy. Hurrah with Brent. Uh, Air Force and the right. Air National Guard. All right. Uh, and um, Thank you for your service. When you're in the service, you look at the name tags, you don't see the names of um, people like Morgan Stanley or DuPont or Goodyear. Mm. The super rich, never going to send their sons and nephews. Right. But they got their sons and daughters out there now laying their life to. And you look at it. A lot of well, Biden, Biden's son served in the military. He, he probably from an older school tribe like the Romans. Everybody had to go. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, you know, when you look at Bush, the Bush family, you know, they, they sent their children to, to that, that, that were at war. The Biden's family, you know, sent their children. And he didn't just send his children to the military. His son went into combat. Um, and so I'm just saying that, that that's relevant because it, it gives you a different sensitivity to what it means to be out there defending this country. And you hear when Biden talks every time he ends this conversation, he says, God bless and protect our troops. Um, and for yeah. me, that matters. Yeah, you got it right. They don't want to be the Kennedys no more. They, they want the gravy, but they don't want the suffering. That's it. And it's hard to be, to me, it's hard to lead if you don't understand it. It's hard for you to be the commander in chief if you don't understand that fundamentally what gives us our rights in this country is our ability to defend them. And if you don't have people out there defending those rights, those rights don't mean anything. You got to appreciate that. Thanks, Donnie. Appreciate the call. Diane from Buffalo. Hey, Diane, how you doing today? I'm doing good. Um, I'm kind of concerned that I never hear anybody talk about Biden. You know, we hear all the negative about Trump. But we don't hear anything positive or negative or what Biden's going to do for us. Nothing. No one talks about him. No one wants to talk about him. Well, Diane, we got you on the phone. So what you got to say about him? I know nothing about him. Oh, so you don't. He was in Congress for 50 years, but I don't know that he did anything. 
Well, well, Diana is interesting because Biden, at least the way the Trump, you know, folders have been talking about it, he has been active in American politics for 47 years. What has he done? You know, does he is he going to improve our economy or is our economy going to go? Uh, down the toilet. Well, if you look at what he did while he was with President Obama, he had a we, we, our economy was during Obama. No, he was he was Obama's vice president, and when they took over, our economy was in the can. I mean, it was literally we had just at went through the, the worst recession Obama's, in history. Um, um, you know, for eight years I lost my job. So did everybody at my work. Over hundreds of people lost their job. But that was because of what was going on before Obama got in there. I mean, no, we had a the whole economy crashed. Like almost twenty years, and it was doing good. It it we were in a recession. That's right, of- but that didn't have nothing to do. But they brought us out of that recession. They brought us out of the recession, and they well, brought I the whole auto. I went deep, deep, deep down into it, and I couldn't even find another job, so I had to take early retirement, and um, you know, so that was not good for me. But um, what know, about Obamacare? People, they, he, he, got, he got a lot of people health care. He's going to do now, not 20 years ago. That wasn't 20 years ago. That was only eight years ago. I know, but what, he, <laughs> what is he going to do in January, February? Well, I think the first thing, Diane, do you, would you agree? said anything. Diane, would you agree the first thing that he's talked about doing is the most important thing, which he's working on now, which is addressing the issue, what's going on um, with this pandemic? I mean, that's his first priority. But I'm not worried about that because the governors are supposed to take care of that. Each governor of each state wants to be responsible for their own state. (laughs) So no matter what Biden does... It's not going to matter. You're it's telling me that the corona. that with 140,000, 48,000 people a day getting the coronavirus, I mean, being diagnosed. But, uh, you know, Cuomo wouldn't let anybody. He Cuomo wanted to be boss. He was bossing everybody, telling them what Cuomo wants to do. He and and then I, we saw New York Trump State got a lot of good results from that, didn't we? Well, everybody's... Uh, not really happy with um, Cuomo either. So well, I, I don't know if I you can make everybody happy, but I know a lot of people rather. The whole world is in an epidemic. Well, that's true. The world, the whole world is in a it's pandemic. But I New think York or United States. I don't think the president is at this point as concerned about it as President Biden, President Elect Biden. And I think that we are in a much better hands in terms of dealing with the pandemic. And I think um, we'll see, you know, with the economy, you know, but I think Biden's record really stands for itself. But I, I appreciate your point that, you know, we got, trust me, Biden's going to come under a microscope, you know, just like every president before him has come under the microscope. But listen, everybody, we got to get ready to wrap up the show. Um, you know, again, we, the president has not conceded yet. I don't anticipate him conceding. Um, before the electoral college and even after electoral college, it'll be interesting. Does he does he let the um, does he let the, 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 you know the t- t- traditional transfer of power where you know Biden and him come together? I don't see any of that stuff happening. But this is gonna be all new. It's gonna be all new. You know what I'm saying? So um, anything you want to say before we close? Anything before we, we move to close, Matt? Listen up, everybody. We appreciate all the calls. A lot of calls today. Mr. Hare will be back with you next week. We appreciate you joining us here at WWKP ESPN fifteen twenty. We will see you next week.
You've been listening to Think Again with L. Nathan Hare, sponsored by the Community Action Organization of Erie County. Be sure to tune in again next week at this same time for more Think Again.